This is Giles Martin, and you're listening for Fab Four Free For All. Hey everybody, it's Tony from Fab Four Free For All. We are having the dinner version of um, <laughs> recording an episode of Fab Four Free For All. You all wanted us to do an episode while... Um, Hi, I'm Rob Leonard. <laughs> He's Mitch Axelrod. He's Mitch Axelrod. And that's the cabbie on 54th. And that's the cabbie on 54th yelling at people. But um, we've just come off the White Album listening party. Um, we had a lovely uh, 20 minutes with Giles Martin talking about the upcoming release. Um... We were treated to five of the Easter demos, five of the remixes, and five of the outtakes. Yeah. And um, all right, you wanna you wanna you wanna take it, Rob? Take it, Rob. Take it, Rob. Uh, do we start with the Easter tapes for this? Yes, we shall. Um, they are very, 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 very clean. We're so used to hearing hiss on them that it was funny hearing it without all yeah. that hiss. Tony wanted to give you a disclaimer about eBay. <laughs> well, my, my, my comment is that, um, and we're recording this while we're eating dinner after the uh, the event, but my comment is that if you all have the bootlegs of the Easter demos, you should definitely put them on eBay now while they still have any value yeah. whatsoever. Because in about um, about two weeks, they're going to just be completely... Mm-hmm. When is it? Oh, so in about a month or so, yeah, they're going to become completely and utterly useless. Yeah, they, 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 so. they were the cleanest I've ever heard, and they were so... And it, it, it changed the way you listen to them, too. Because, oh, absolutely. Because yeah. it, it reminded me more of um, like Pete Townsend's Scoop Records, where the, his yes. his demos are so clean and so precise. Yeah. And we're so used to hearing the hiss and you know, maybe a couple of generations off that there was a little bit different of how a demo might sound. And these sound fantastic. I, yeah, Anthology 3, don't even listen to that anymore because we don't need to. Yeah, these, these are better than that. So uh, back in the USSR sounded as a... As a demo, really good. Um, right. Double track Paul Vocal on it. Uh, you know. And that you can hear on Spotify now. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's up on Spotify. And, and we may want to mention, too, that you were saying that Giles didn't even know that these existed originally. Yeah, Giles yeah, told us in the event um, that he was, someone said, you, should, you know, he started the whole process by telling, trying to tell a story about how the album was made. So he wanted to use the demos, but he didn't know they were called the issue demos. He had no idea what they were. He just knew that he had he had heard these because he worked uh, with uh, Martin Scorsese on the Living in the Material World documentary. Right. So he had numbered these and he had heard them all. No, no, right they were numbered. It said Beatles oh, right. one through eight. Beatles one through eight. So and it's actually all. You know, he heard every single one of these. Knew exactly what they were, but not the issue demos. Right. So. But what's fascinating about that though is that he was talking about the idea that still what he was working with, what we heard today. Which I'm telling, I can't. We can't impress on you, upon you how incredible they were. We're still not necessarily the master tapes of those recordings because they were sort of compiled and left at George's house. Right. Right. But they came from all of the four-track machines that each of the individual Beatles owned. Right, then he knocked them down to two and tracks. And then they were bounced out to two tracks and stored at George's. Right. Unbelievable. But they just so, sound so clear. And, it, and, and let's see, talk about which ones we heard. We heard back in the USSR, Sexy Sadie, which was really nice. Child of Nature. Child of Nature, uh, which, you know what? I'm glad he changed it to Jealous Guy. <laughs> see, I've always loved Child of really, Nature. It's always I, been a favorite of mine. Uh, yes. But you can see Jealous Guy is such a better song. Yeah. Structure-wise, everything. Uh, yeah, listen, well, it's it a different been good. song. It's, it's a different... 
it's a real tap into John's emotions about, you know, probably very specifically about something he was feeling about Yoko, about his life, though. Whereas Child of Nature is a little more of a... Yeah. I don't know. As he said, I think he, as he said, he uh, was trying to impress the Maharishi Mahesh. Yeah. Um, we heard Not Guilty, which sounded really good. Not now. Do you remember, years ago, we interviewed Russ Teitelman? Yes. Yep. And I thought I remembered, and I'm going to go back to our own episode, folks. I thought I remembered Russ saying that hearing the Esher demo of Not Guilty... He thought that the Easter demo was much closer to George's solo version. It, and I was thinking that. Absolutely. As soon as yep. we heard it, it was definitely closer. The yep. guitars, the, the way it turned, but not yep. that like electric. I was thinking as soon as we heard it. Very similar. And it's the, so similar to the solo record, but it's so clean. It is clean. And, and the version that the Beatles eventually did is very much of the time more than this demo. It's much more dated. Yeah. 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 It's, it, 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 you know, if the Beatles have a dated sound. Yeah. Not I'm not saying that. Yeah. And then... Right, uh, not guilty might be one of the few where it is yeah, kind yeah. of a dated feel. And uh, then we heard Obladi Oblada. So uh, that was. Uh, Which, I, you know what, to me sounded different. I don't know why. I don't know why it sounded different. It, it sounded the more demo? relaxed. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, I think so too. It wasn't trying to be a single yet. Right. Right. Yeah, well. But it's not like the Sessions version and. No, but it's no. it's not not at all. He hasn't found that strum mm-hmm. thing yet. No, it makes you kind of wonder how the it's not reggae. It yet. makes you kind of wonder how the anthology version, you know, the session version came about. Really, yeah, because yeah. because obviously he maybe thought it was going to be a single or something at one point, and he said, okay, let's put put everything into it because this sounds much more relaxed as a as a song as just a presentation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, and maybe that was part of it. Um, should we do the Anything else you guys want to add to the the Eastern tapes? Well, what was the was that all five? Yes, yes. Okay, so yeah, I mean, as far as that went, I think it was kind of interesting looking around. I mean, people who listen to our show, we, we you know, we have all kinds of ranges of collectors. There may be people listening who are kind of running to Wikipedia to see what the hell the Easter demos are as we're sitting here babbling about them. But, um, at the same time, it was interesting looking around the room at a number of journalists yeah. who were, were in stunned amazement, which is great. Right, you know, this, right. is, this is going to be an enlight- a really enlightening thing for a lot of people who aren't hardcore. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah. Okay, then the outtakes uh, was a really different version of Cry Baby Cry, which I actually liked a lot, and I wish that the version they released was the version we heard today. John's voice on that outtake was great. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great. I'm Phenomenal. A, again, he, he messes with his voice too much. But He's it, such a good but singer. The version that they eventually released is very... Very dry, and this—I this don't know. I thought this one was a little. I mean, I, I again, I love hearing it. Right. Um, I thought it—I won't say it plotted a little, but it had a little bit of, of um, you know, I was, I was kind of waiting for it to. No, but that wasn't a demo. That was the outtake. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry. Uh, it, cu- it came together as it progressed. Yes. It started out a little. That's a, way to say. That's a good way to say. Yeah. It started out a little like not. Quite 100 percent there. Yeah, uh, no, I but it got better that. as it went. Um, then we heard a version of "I Will" uh, before the. Oh, other, uh, I loved it. Which wow. was more of a strum, strong. It didn't have that Buddy Holly uh, finger picking thing that uh, they added oh, on. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, right. And, right. Um, that was gone. And there's right. no Paul McCartney bass, dumb, dumb. Like you know, there's none of that. And you also hear John and uh, Ringo on. 
you know this and we get you know that there, there was that tape where they're playing with uh, with yeah. ball now so. and that's the one thing I want to impress upon people Giles said that when he was listening to all the banter and he did say that a lot of banter is on this package uh, that you'll hear that the Beatles were not you know, going crazy with each other and and leaving in in, in a huff. And yes, they they were they were tense times, but for the most part, he only heard happy times. Which Ken Scott told us in an interview when we did a few years ago. Right. He said he remembered it all being pretty, you know, happy. And Giles said, "Listen, I purposely tried to hear what people were always saying about the the album being so." Which I found hanging. interesting. Giles pointing out the idea that you know, yeah, we do want to find those moments. We do want to find the fight. We do want to find the right, which is cool. But he said I couldn't find any. He said every time I put on something, everybody was happy and, and, and helping. And well, he used the word supportive a bunch of times. Support, he did in the presentation. Which then again, cool. a lot of the final tracks are just Paul or you know John or, or Ringo. But then again, there are thirty tracks. Sixteen right. of them, I think, have all four of them on it. But yeah. Yesterday, I doesn't have any Beatle on it. We don't ever say anything about that. Right. That's true. Right. Um, the version of Julia. Wow. Oh, my God. Now, we should tell them what happened there. Nobody knows this existed because it was at the end of a reel. Right. That it wasn't marked on there. It wasn't anything. And they found this. They let the reel go, and they found this beautiful version of Julia that George Martin is talking to John and giving him advice, and John's talking to George, and it is, yep. to me, that was a revelation. So does Mark Lewis have asked. to rewrite his book just yeah, for that? We love you, Mark. Sorry. Honestly, I, I, that's the one question I got to ask Giles. What's that? With the Julia thing, as a revelation, because it was just, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I, I think it was. I couldn't believe it. And there were two takes of it. You know, they, they bumped into yes. each other. Yeah. And yeah, right. That was yeah. very cool too. Strumming, and then he did the picking. Yeah. Well, he actually does one where he says he's standing up. He said, "I'm, I'm standing up, which might help my vocal." Right. But. I I um I just thought I can't be, play I can't play as well. But then again, for Revolution, he was on the floor. Was right. it was Revolution? Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking of the old commercial. The quick picking, fun strumming, home guitar course. <laughs> Roy Clark. Yep. Then, then there's a version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps that we heard, which is a little bit earlier version. Than, so sorry that breaks down. And it has um, Eric Clapton on guitar and. Uh, there's this great bit. John is there, but he's not playing, but he's there. Right, he is there. Not like he's not there. And so. it's very close to the final version. And then George does something with his vocal, and he goes, try to do a smoky bit, and I'm not a smoky. He said, yeah, I tried to do a smoky, and I aren't smoky. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I, I, I it sounded like cross between smoky and tiny Tim. I <laughs> said this. I, was, I wrote that in my notes. Did you I really? Wrote, I wrote, sounds like tiny yeah. Tim. Because it was like, I don't know why. And, and it was like, oh my God! He well, said, it was I on the Beatles' Christmas table. record in 1968. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, there you go. He was hanging with Tiny. He wanted to put him on the album. <laughs> no, I heard he wasn't Tiny. All right. Oh my. Anyway, oh my. then the highlight of the whole show, the whole little presentation. And funny how we all agree. Oh my God! Because every, I almost wept. 
Well, we, yeah. let's get to the song. Yeah. It's Good Night. And uh, we're getting Hang on, bro. We're getting food here. What's our wait- uh, waitress's name? What's your name? Lynn. Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Say hi to everybody on Sorry, the show. Hi. 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 We saw our former partner, Ken. Everybody was nice. It was all good. Um, and we also saw the brand new Fab Forum. Um, serious XF. With, with Bill. Bill Flanagan, Dennis Elsis, and our and friend. And Tom Frangione. Tom Frangione. Um, everything is fine. I was, I was, we should have taken a picture of all seven of us. Yep. Because it's all, we all got together for the same thing. And Darren DeVivo was there too. Yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of great people there today. So, um. Who's been on our show? Yes. Uh, Bruce Spicer. Ken Womack. Ken Womack. The Mark and Carol Lafitas. Uh, um, David Frick. David Frick. Uh, Robert, uh, Rob, Rob Sheffield. Sheffield. We had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of we mentioned Kim Really big shoot today. Really big shoot. Anyway, right, now so back where to were the we? Episode. Right, so where where did we leave off? Good night. We were talking about good night, and good night is well. Let Mick say because he said it best. Oh, I, I almost wept because they they played a version of good night with acoustic guitar, Ringo singing, and the three Beatles harmonizing in three-part harmony the whole song and it was just unbelievable absolutely gorgeous. totally changed the song oh it, it i wish it would have been the release version well you said something what did just, you say yeah, you i said, said it's, think it's this boy in five years later yeah yeah that's perfectly Un- I mean, I literally almost wept when I heard it. Yep. Well, I, I was, heard it was on there, and I said, i got to hear this, and then he played it. and then, I didn't know it was going to be that. I was really uh, happy he played that. And the thing that got me about it was... Uh, um, they, they, the song, the whole song went. I, I expected it to break up someplace, and it didn't. And it like, was the whole song, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I expect like someone to screw up on the vocal because it was very. The harmonies are very difficult. The, but the harmonies, they're I gotta really tell you, they're really good though. I, I have to say that if you're thinking about buying this set. That is the working price of the whole set. One song. Yeah. One. One song. Yep. I, 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 after we yep. heard that, we heard Good Night, and it was like, okay, Good Night. Yep. Drop the mic. Drop the, <laughs> do whatever. We're, we're, we, don't have to hear, we don't have to hear anymore. Bye-bye. Yep. Unbelievable. Then, the, we got to the remix album. And we only heard five songs. Five songs. Um, the first one they did is... A version of Dear Prudence, where first of all it has an ending that ends cold, and the beginning ends clean, clean, clean. clean. And we are questioning whether or not that will actually be, but we were told, yes, that is yep. the remix. So how they're going to do that, I'm not sure. Who knows? That's a good point. But it does overlap from right. back in the USSR. One thing I didn't realize about this song is that Paul, on the second verse, is playing lead bass. And at least with this remix, it's much more noticeable. He is playing a lead bass. Yeah. On oh, on, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I never picked that up. I always think that was on the guitar. It's, it definitely sounds like the bass. I was very impressed with that. And it's all the guitar bits are just oh, way up in the Absolutely bass. tremendous. And, and it just, it's so much more, even more now, a guitar song than it was already. So it sounds to me a little drier than the original. It was. It definitely was. I think it was. Drier, but 
it didn't miss anything. No. That bass hit you right away. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Overall, the, again, gorgeous. their whole track record has been that they love bringing up the bass and drums for everything. Because uh, those are the only two guys left. <laughs> well, it's, also, it's also the way things are kind of mixed today. Plus, you can do it's a lot easier. As he said, a lot of times the bass and the drums are on the same track. So. Yes. And, and, and well, I, I don't think in this though, instance it's much. This wasn't too much. This this really shows Paul's bass playing prowess. I mean, and and again, it's you know after the Sergeant Pepper situation, yep. and how much that gave us a. I mean, look, we we're. We're Beatle geeks. Our, our fellow listeners, a lot of us are, you know, hardcores. We sort of get it when it comes to Ringo. You know, we we understand why Ringo is Ringo. But there is there are still elements of the general populace who just don't get it. Yeah. And you can't you can't hear the Pepper remix. You can't hear this remix. Right, right. And not realize. But you listen to the tracks on this, and you realize, you know, Ringo is is Ringo. I mean, he's amazing. On a lot of this stuff. I mean, like, yeah. you, like, like you just pointed out to me. You know, we were saying that Dear Prudence is Paul. <laughs> for this song, Ringo, the part of Ringo will be played by Paul. But still, though, this is a lot for for Paul's bass playing and for Ringo's drumming. It was a, just it was brilliant, amazing, yeah. And then um, the next, we also say just say Dear Prince as a cold ending, which I I've been waiting for. Well, it was on the rock band, so that was nice to see. But I always thought Anthology was going to have that, and it didn't. Um, okay, Mother Nature's Son. Um, the bottom end of that song was incredible. Yeah. It was so incredible because it fills up the, the whole song now. Yes. And yes. it's it's a lot a lot more in your face than the version we, we know and love. Yes. Um, it's weird because that song, you know, I, I, when I first heard it come on, I'm like, all right, what are they going to do to it? I didn't think it was going to be anything major, but as I heard it, I didn't think it was anything major. But then I, after I heard the it, the listening I realized, experience is totally different. Yes, it is. Yeah. So the tappings, Paul's foot tapping. Yeah. I actually looked around because I thought so, someone was doing someone it. was doing it, which I thought was very funny. I was like, "Is someone in the room?" I was like, "Oh wait a minute, that's on the record. That's on the record." Yeah. So, it's not. Then. Uh, this is also a very much a highlight of this um, new remix. What? Long, long, long. Oh, oh my, my God. God. God, God. This, this is almost, I want to say, a correction from the original mix. But, but he said he didn't correct it that much. No, he didn't. But it, what, what he did was... What needed to be done yes. and what could have been done with current technology. Oh, right. So, uh, but one thing about it... And, and Tony, you know because you're on the radio. If you ever play the song on the radio, it goes all over the place. So, level-wise. Yeah, level-wise. And this is, just fills all that space that gets screwed up. For the, well, I don't want to say screwed up because that's the way George wanted it. Well, you should say that, so. you know, that they, he, did, he did up the vocals, but not a lot. He said he well, didn't do it a lot, but it's so noticeable. And it makes it... Someone said a different song, but it doesn't. But I'll, I'll as we said, and I keep using that term, it, it's a different listening experience. Yes, that, you know. But I will say one thing, and I know I'm the drummer in the group. Ringo's drums on Long, Long, oh Long. I never knew he did all of that stuff because you don't really hear it. It was buried, yeah, and all was. of a sudden, and and he said, Giles said that when he was doing this, 
you know, it was like Ringo and George, their song. Yep. And you can tell <coughs> Ringo was kicking ass on this song. It yeah. Just, it, it, don't, it, was an, it was a different experience for me. A, it, it, it does change the feel of that whole song. It it's just, it's incredible. That. It's incredible. It was, remix. it was, yeah, that also is a highlight for me. Yeah. Now, yeah, I think I think we're. It's so funny that we are. We're all in agreement that the mind blowers were the same mind blowers. Because, well, again, we only heard five on each, right? Uh, on right. each thing, so right. We don't know if there's anything else mind blowing. But it was funny time. though how how Giles kept saying, "Well, I could have picked any one." Uh huh. Yeah. Well, we would have been five blown away anyway. Right. Then I was interested in happiness as a long gun mm. because. We had talked to Giles, and when you listen to the interview with Giles, they did not, he did not do what he did for Pepper as much, where they matched the, the mono mix. They, they left that well, because the, fade, the, out, the, the fade the, out mistake. Right, because the, the White Album version. was a legitimate Beatles mix. Right, right. right. So, you know. So, but now explain to folks what that is. And Happiness is a Warm Gun during the guitar solo. At the end of it, they fade up the vocals, which they'd faded down. I need to fix this, I'm going down. And then it starts up there. So there's a bit before that that they just faded out. So they, for the stereo, it's always had that little bit of a drift in. For the mono, it's clean as hell. Right. And I thought that on the stereo they were going to fix that, so to speak. And they didn't. No. And I was like, hmm, okay. Uh, you know, okay, you didn't fix it. but it, it, right. Or they were going to leave maybe, maybe some bonus tracks. I don't know. But maybe, you know, have the version where they have the full vocal. I need a fix. Right. So, but the version we heard was the remixed stereo version. And again, this song is much more in your face um, as, as a mix. And I, I said, I don't know, you didn't hear me, but I said to Tony, I said, calm down, Tony, because he was like smiling away. I was, uh, yeah. <laughs> well. well, here's the thing I love that Giles said uh, when he and Sam were doing the mixing, Sam O'Kell. Sam said, you think that fuzz guitar is too loud? Yeah, and he said, that fuzz guitar can never be too loud. <laughs> right. That's true. Same thing with the ending uh -huh. of uh, A Day in the Life. He said, that chord can never, never be, be too, too loud. loud. He's right. He's right. And then uh, the final song we heard was Helter Skelter. Now, this it's underwhelmed me. I yeah, I wasn't. I agree with you. Didn't really. Of all the songs he could have tried, look, it's, it sounds good. Oh, it's not, listen. It's Ringo, a little, it's a little feel, compressed. It yes, seems a little can, like. You can feel Ringo drumming on it, though. At the end, you feel him drumming. I don't know if that means anything to anybody. Yeah. But you actually can feel it when you're listening. And we didn't hear it in the best place. We heard it in a studio with good speakers, but they weren't great, great. No, they were not. I think if you listen on your own stereo system, you'll be fine. Right. But the way he sounded. But in general, general, this one was the least overwhelming, most yeah. underwhelming. Well, I, not bad. I prefer it, I, I, when we talked to him, I mentioned it, I prefer the version on the rock band. Because the rock band doesn't fade out and then come back the way it does in the stereo version. And there's, there's all these little things that if you listen to the rock band at the end, like noises and stuff that weren't there, or at least before that. Right. And you really don't hear that on this remix. Which I, I was expecting, and I, we didn't get it. Yeah, but, uh, you know. But, hey, you know what? It still sounded good, you know, the remix. But. It sounded good, but I do have a feeling that if, like, if the entire album had been treated that way, um, We'd be the result would have been a little bit of ear fatigue. Probably, probably. But we did ask the question uh, in the interview and in the event, because I know a lot of you said that Sgt. Pepper seemed maybe too perfect sometimes. 
And we said, you know, the White Album has a certain feel, kind of eerie, and, and, and but atmospheric, you know. And, and do you get to the point where you say, I don't want to make it too perfect because then you ruin the feel of what the original album felt like? Right. And he said, yes. I mean, we, we are very cognizant of that. And so and even, uh, even, even was talking about how important slight mistakes are. Yeah, the imperfections yeah. are yeah. what makes the beauty of the album. So he, yeah. he said, I could have fixed this, I could have fixed that, but I didn't. Well, I love the comment, I could have made them Steely Dan. No disrespect to Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah, at one point he said, John's vocal, and what, what did he say it about, was off. Uh, and he said, I could have made John sound better. He yeah. said, but the imperfections are what makes the song the song. Yeah. So for all of yeah. you thinking, oh my God, it's blasphemous. They made long, long, long. You know, they, they brought up the vocal and they're, oh my God, they're changing the heart. No, the no, feeling, the, is, the feeling still is still there. there. You can still feel the original intent. Yeah. And now the Isher tape is a full CD. There's two CDs of yeah, outtakes. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a, there's you know, 50, what was it, 50 outtakes? Yeah, 50, yeah, 50 of, of each thing, he said. It's like amazing. There's mono, 50 outtakes, there's 5.1. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, there's a, what else? 50 others, too, like yeah. Jude and uh, Lady Madonna. Yeah. And at one point, I have to say that I didn't know Giles heard me, but he heard me because we he was talking about Revolution Number 9. And he said, "Yeah, you'll 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 play. we're not going to play it tonight, but you know you'll go home and you'll hear it and you'll hear it." Well, he's, he he was talking about how scary the five point one was. Yeah, and he said, he and you'll hear how uh, there's more George and John talking in it, uh, based on what he did, and <laughs> and so I, he said, "But go home and let's do it." And I said, "Yeah, with the lights on." And he goes, "Yeah, exactly, with the, with the lights on." I didn't know he heard me because I said it very well. You said it quietly, but it was, and he actually <laughs> heard me, and he said, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, with the lights with the on, light we on. know what that experience is about." And that was actually pretty funny. Yeah. So that's everything. Well, we've heard. I mean, it was uh, it, it was it was great. I mean, it's it's fun being invited to having the opportunity to go to these things. Yeah. And we're not telling you this because we're any better than you guys. We no, just, but it's fun too because you it's the listeners that make it possible for us to do this. I think. Correct. Hopefully, it's kind of a kind of like a send it around. We're we only do the show because you folks are there listening and thank you. Right. We're not sitting there saying that and that and that. We heard no, it. No. We, we, we wish all we, we were, were there. We were all getting psyched to come out and kind of like and give our yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it, but it, it was it's, really, it's but wonderful. It was, it was good stuff and yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff on. The only thing that's not on this, and we'll, we'll talk about when we get to the full review. There's no DVD. Right. Well, so there is a DVD, a, but it's not. A, but it's a Blu-ray of Five right, One. Right, right. Of the original mono mix. Right. right. Of the remix, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, but, there's no video because let's face it, folks. You know, any video that would have been on it, you probably already have in really good shape. Right. And how many, thing, how many people really watch the there? video anyway? The Apple, the Apple, the film. Apple yes. video, but that's only like ten minutes. Yeah, it's not that long. So that's why. Well, and, and maybe for and how many Jude and well, yeah, Revolution, but, but again, it. but how many times are you going to watch Paul? You know, tapping to. Uh, uh, Blackbird. Blackbird and Can You Take Me Back and whatever. Right, yeah. I mean, how many times do you really watch that DVD of, of an album? I don't. Right. right. I'd rather have the content because this is so much content here that I think everybody's going to really get blown away. Yep. And for those of you with 5.1, you're in for a lot of fun, I think. Oh, my, I can't even, we haven't heard it yet. They didn't play it, oddly enough. We were in a studio, they didn't play any 5.1. They had no surround set up. I know, but I'm saying that's weird that yeah. they didn't. 
because we were in the power station, and it was, we do think that it would be. By the way, power station is where uh, McCartney recorded new, right. parts of new, parts of Ringo, uh, and, and parts of Kisses on the Bottom. Right. And, um, Just the bottom part. I th- yeah, right. Thank you. Um, and I think, I think Ringo recorded there, too, if I'm not mistaken. For some reason. But whatever. If I'm wrong, I don't care. <laughs> um, but it, it was a great experience, and we can't wait for everybody to hear it. Uh, because you should. This will be followed by our interview with Giles Martin. Yes, yes so it sure enjoy, will. Enjoy our interview with Giles. He was very cool with us. He then remembered us, which was nice. Yeah, he actually he remembered us and thanked us. And uh, the first, actually, probably the first thing you'll hear on this whole thing, or would have heard by now, yeah. is him saying hi. Yeah. Yep. So um, four fat corporate for all. Four fat corporate for all. And the diner. <laughs> and the where are we at? The Applejack Diner. Applejack Diner. I'm Tony Gerardo. I'm Mitch Axelrod. I'm Rob Leonard eating a hamburger. And we'll see you soon. Take care. Uh, we're here with Giles Martin. We've just listened to the White Album. Uh, it's uh, amazing as always. Great job. Thank you. Um, you know, we had talked, you had said in the uh, event that you started out the process by trying to tell a story. And then you went into the Isha demos, which you said you didn't even know about. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you know, obviously we did Sergeant Pepper last year and I had a great time talking to you guys, so thank you for the time then. And uh, with Sergeant Pepper, there was a motivation, as everyone knows, because the mono was never, the Beatles mixed the mono and they well, we mixed the stereo from the mono. The White Album is slightly different. You know, you always have to think about what's your motivation apart from just getting Giles to remix the album. It has to, for me, that's not enough. And so the, the, the White Album has a story to it, it's mapped out. I didn't know about the Isha demos, I thought we just had a lot of studio outtakes. and. And I'd, but I'd already come across them. I'd already listened to them at Friar Park because I did um, Living the Material World with Martin Scorsese and I went through all George's stuff and he had the tapes. So yeah, for me it was a revelation to find that the Beatles actually demoed their own songs for an album, which is the first time, and actually the last time yeah. they'd done it, really. Yeah, it was amazing. But the, the Escher demos, we always call them Escher here, I guess, but the Escher demos were so fun. And you know, we heard from Ken Scott when uh, when we interviewed him that he said that the White Album was a joyous occasion for him. He remembers it as being joyous. Everybody else remembers it as being the Beatles solo. And you said it wasn't like that at all. Yeah, I think Ken's right. I mean, Ken was 21. And that's the thing. I mean, I mean, my dad was twice his age. He was 42. And the, the biggest revelation for me on the White Album is the fact that they had fun and they collaborated. I always thought, because my dad, it wasn't, it wasn't, my, it was, it wasn't my dad's favorite record because he had less involvement, he was didn't like the hours they were working, it was exhausting. But the fact of the matter is, I think, you know, when I talked to Paul and Ringo about it, they're like, yeah, it's a band record. It was the band's record, you know, and you, you get that sense. Where Sgt. Pepper is very much a collage of sound, different instruments, different experimentations, Del Rubas, tamboras, mm, tubular yeah. bells, you know, strings, everything. The White Album is kind of the band finding their way. And I don't think they had a template. There was no template for the sound of the White Album. Mm. It was a collection of songs, and even those songs themselves. We heard a version of Cry Baby Cry, which sounds a bit like Pink Floyd. Yeah. You know, and, and the Cry Baby Cry we know is different. So, in a way, with this package, we're trying to just tell that evolutionary story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this when, we were doing the, when you were doing the presentation, but were there aspects of some of these tapes that completely surprised you? Were there, were there real revelatory things where you said, wow, I wouldn't have imagined this sounding like this or beginning life as this or... Yeah, I suppose there were. I mean, you know, there's, there's listen, there's, there's things that a lot of your listeners would know which I didn't know, which like, you know, you know, 
I mean, there's a there's the the version we have on Isha of a Child of Nature, which is you know, Jealous Sky, sounds beautiful. Yeah. But you can see why it became Jealous Guy. Jealous Guy is a much better song. Better song and that's yeah. the funny thing about the Beatles. The revelation is the fact that, you know, despite all the work we do and all the discoveries we do, the master version is always the master version. It's not like, you know, don't disappoint your fans out there. There may be versions that are different. Hmm. And they're generally never better. They always choose right. And they always, you know, we listen to a version of Goodnight, which is, you know, amazing with um, arpeggiated guitars, uh, the boys singing backing vocals and Ringo singing lead vocal. And uh, someone asked me today, why is that? Why did they do the string version? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that you'd ask the question if you'd heard the orchestral version. I played that Tuesday, and you had the guitar version on the on the album. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah, sure. Um, so I, I suppose I'm so used to the tapes. It's very little to, to have revelations apart from the fact that just just to hear the fun they had you know the fun they had with Eric playing the studios playing the guitar you know there's George ordering Marmite sandwiches before takes you know stuff like that in fact Marmite gets mentioned a lot on the White Album <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could know, have called it the Marmite I mean, you, you don't have Marmite in, 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 in <laughs> the US it's like you know, you know but yeah it's, I mean Marmite's mentioned you know the, uh, George during Lady Madonna is, is, is saying well, they should make Marmite Marmite flavoured crisps and Ringo goes I don't even like Marmite <laughs> <laughs> well there's, there's one of the things you played he mentions cheese or yeah. putting cheese on something and throughout Let It Be, we keep joking with all the outtakes that have circulated over the years that he, he every time he puts in his lunch order, it's, and Mal, I'll have it with cheese. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What's the process from the beginning of the tapes? Uh, the, the the tapes that they first recorded on then made into, that were made into you know a four-track, or is it... You know, something that you you start with the four track only, because it, it, you know, some of these were bounced a little bit, not as much as Pepper, but some of these tr- uh, things. Yeah, kind of kind of depending on what stage you're in the recording. I mean, they went to Trident because Trident had an eight track, or so I read somewhere. I mean, I don't know, but Trident Trident is. I mean, Dear Prudence is an eight track. If I'm interesting yeah. enough, Dear Prudence is weird because the, there's no outtakes of Dear Prudence. I mean, there's just you know someone apparently threw them in a threw them in a truck or like they're in a skip somewhere. You know, they oh, were definitely Trident. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. but yeah, the, it depends on the track. With the four tracks, I- in a funny way, I mean, the White Album is a much simpler album than Sgt. Pepper's, so there's less four-to-four bouncing on the four tracks. You know, it, it, if you take, for example, on Sgt. Pepper, Sgt. Pepper's Reprise is just a four track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Yeah Blues might just be a four track, I can't mm-hmm. remember. But yeah, there's a, so, there's, so there's less, there's less four-to-fours going on on the White Album, um, but there's more eight-track. But when you tra- when they transitioned to eight track, did that help you in your process? Of or course, actually hurt. No, it helps. It helps. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely, because I have uh, more separation. I mean, for instance, if you take a day in the life, which isn't on the white album, but it's it's on Sgt. Pepper's, everyone knows. But it's the drums and bass are together on, on one track, so I can't. If I push up the the the, the Ringo's great dom- tom fills, yeah. the bass gets louder. Yeah. You know, that's that's the way it works. But where you know, uh, on on Pepper, there's only two or three drums which are on their own. On the white album, there's way more. Now, I, I asked in there just real quick. The um, in regard to that remixing in general, uh, you know, the al- the album always had a certain atmosphere and a feel to people. Do you get a little crazy in the studio saying if we go a little too far, we might ruin what people really love about the album? You know, I try and actually enhance the feel more than anything else. So we take. I mean, I remember doing Glass Onion. And uh, and it's the you know it's it sounds it's it's only when you think about it you change the balance of one thing and it changes the sound of something else so you know if you take uh, sorry one more guitar Jenny weeps it was a hard song because you make the drums sound a bit beefier and you know like you're with Ringo and you make John's six string bass like dig in 
George's voice doesn't float as well because it's competing with these other noises. So mm. you have to rein things back in a bit, and the whole, that whole song is meant to drift across you in my mind. Mm. You know, it's still we still need to put the ADT on Eric's guitar, and there's a whole there's a whole structure to that song that you know, it's a bit like uh, you know, it everything has a re- relation to something else in the mix. And you work through it, you know, you work through those problems. Yeah. And then you get things somewhere like Glass Onion, which are just, which is where John's voice is kind of almost distorted. It's ADT'd. It's kind of, and it's sh- it's kind of, it sounds wrong, but it sounds right. It suits Glass Onion, and so you know, I could make John's voice sound pure and clean, mm. but mm. it'd be wrong for the song. Yeah, you know? the and amazing. so that's yeah. So that's the so it's the feel of the songs are really imp- it's really important to me. You know. Sorry. Okay. No, no. Um, when you did Sergeant Pepper, uh, you were talking about you wanted to match the stereo mix to what the mono mix was. But I noticed that on Happiness is a Warm Gun, the stereo mix, you the, that fade up of uh, I Need a Fix uh, yeah. is in the stereo mix. Yeah. And on the mono, it isn't. So is that something you didn't do this time, try to match the mono mix? or is it? Yeah, we didn't really match them. The stereo, you know, it's, it's a... It's a into the Beatles world, how they feel about it. The stereo mix, the White Album, was something they were very much involved in. Where the mono yeah. mix, yeah. they were involved in, but the stereo, they moved from mono to stereo in their minds, and so the stereo is more. And um, that that one little thing, that one little extra vocal, yeah. we thought about. <laughs> you know, we thought about it. You can't win. If we didn't put it in there, right. people will complain. You put it in there, people are going to complain. <laughs> and it's like, it, and, and to be honest, if someone who's never heard the song before, they're they're not going to mind. So that's right. what that's what. Well, it's it's you've got so many variations between the mono and the stereo with the white album. Was there, you know, you're tackling this as you say, and you're working with Paul and Ringo. Did you ever address those differences with them? Uh, don't pass me by being in a different key, things like that. Was there a, you know, was there a feeling of kind of. Uh, are we doing the strict? We're sticking with the stereo, right, guys? Or did they even real, remember that? No, there's they, differences. They, 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 they don't remember these differences. It's so funny. You know, Paul d- didn't remember. You know, we go back to Pepper that that she's leaving home was was yeah. you know was up in F opposed to E. You know, wow. Yeah. So things like that. And I told him, he's like, okay, okay cool. You know, that's say he moves forward. It's not. He doesn't remember because he's stupid. He's one of the most intelligent men I know. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't yeah. remember because he's done it and he's doing the next right. thing. Right. And that's how it should be. So we go back and look at these things and, and make a choice. And you make a choice based on, you know, it may be you're always biased in a certain way. I mean, you know, yeah, you, you know otherwise you make the most boring choices ever. You can't please everyone all the time. You have to take risks. And so I make a call and do it. So one of us really loves What's the New Mary Jane. I won't say who, Tony. Um, He recites it. (laughs) She looks as a napkin. It's on the box. (laughs) A-side? I mean, come on. When you hear it, do you you understand where he was coming from? That John wanted that Did you ever discuss that with your dad at all? No, we never never discussed Beatles records at all, funny enough. Hmm. We may disappoint people. Um, We're too busy discussing pims. No, no we, we, yeah, we, no, we didn't. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's someone else, someone else involved, that I involved, absolutely hates that song, and I think it's kind of yeah. I think it's, it's just cute. funny. It's, yeah, and the, it's and funny. Yeah, and the, yeah, the the uh, the outtakes are funny as well. Of it. Oh, so we've got outtakes from what's yeah, the yeah, yeah, just well, just for you. Far out. Oh, just right. Yeah, just, yeah. Thank you, there is Charles. an outtake. I knew there was. Um, you, you worked on the rock band mixes, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Okay. On the rock band mix of Dear Prudence, it goes to the end, which the outtake here, or is that the remix we heard today? Yeah. Okay. So that goes to the end. 
Uh, but Helter Skelter, you, you matched the version that was on the record, and, and while the rock band goes on, yeah. a little crazier at the end, yeah. especially. Um, was there a but thought the, of putting that version on no, as the an rock, official the, release? Can I just say, the rock band mix wasn't, isn't a record. It's a, it's a video game. Well, I could say it a release. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, the reason why it doesn't fade in, in, uh, on the rock band, because you're playing a game. And yeah. the, uh, that, the appealing thing is that for me, I mean, it's funny, rock band was one of those things where you, st- you crack the technology to do it, and you realize, oh, my God, I've got to do this many mixes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's because you're playing a game and you can't fade out a song if you're pressing buttons on a guitar. Okay. Right. That's why. That's the motivation behind that. Well, I'm glad it worked out that yeah. way. I, I, I really enjoyed. <laughs> well, I want to speak about Helter Skelter. I, I understand the reason why the 27 minute version can't be on the CD. I mean, it takes too long, and it takes up a lot of room. Uh, it could have been on the DVD. But was there any thought to maybe doing a download version of that? You know, like later on when we say, okay, yeah, whatever. If you buy the album, you, you know, you at Christmas code, time you, you get a code to download like 27 minutes. It's very, 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 very similar to the 30-minute version. Uh, yeah. It's just 14 you know, more be, minutes. It's just 14 more minutes. <laughs> Listen to 30-minute version and then and come back it. to me on that. And well, then we, just double it. Yeah. Again. We, we, had a, we had a running joke with Mark Lewis and where we were talking to Mark and we made, said something about Carnival of Light. And Mark said, eh, total crap. Yeah, and yeah, I said, well, it's it. probably, well, listening to that is probably like getting stuck listening to the 27-minute health. So he said, no, no, that's lovely. <laughs> so he was, uh, well, yeah, so, you know, you don't know. So he was busting our jobs yeah. a little bit. But um, the, uh, uh, you know, within the sessions, there's, and you were addressing this in the presentation about the fact that uh, they always talk about there being so much stress and everything like that. One of the sort of notorious moments that have been alluded to, and as you always say, you can't believe everything you read, but was the the creation of the beginning of Obla Di Obla Da with John sort of just figuring out that piano opening. They had taken it so many times. Going through those tapes in particular, and it always comes up as says, oh, bloody, oh, blah, da, and the hundred or so of not guilty that the boys were starting to lose a little bit of patience. Did you find that moment in Obla Di Obla Da where there's that first time that piano No, because opening? the tapes weren't rolling when that was done. Ah, uh, okay. And Paul tells, tells a story that, you know, it's on Mrs. Mills, which is an Abbey Road. And, uh, and he, you know, they were, he was with... Uh, they were working through the song and with with Ringo and George, and uh, and John literally walked in the studios and goes, "All right, lads," and he was late. What are we doing? And then someone bloody early deeper down. He went, "All right," and he went to the piano and went and was basically taking the mickey out of the song. Was like, "Okay, ding 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 ding," as a, as a joke. Wow. <laughs> and Paul went. That worked. That's it. <laughs> wow. That's the way Paul told the story. So the t- it wasn't a recording session. It was they, they came to the studio and he went, and he was like, that was, that was him going, <laughs> yeah. you know. Wow. Yeah. So you're not a historian. You told us that. And, and yeah, absolutely we, and not. So, uh, again, you know, I just, I just know, hear things. <laughs> yeah. But our listeners know that, you know, Paul, John, and George played drums on Back in the USSR. When you're doing the take, the, the uh, tracks, well, can you hear the different drums? Yeah, no, they, listen, it's Paul playing drums and the other two hitting things alongside it. Oh. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Okay, okay. so it's not so really them playing. That makes yeah. more sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. All right, okay. so we're going to wrap things well, up. I have one more question. Uh, he's Columbo. Yeah, yeah, one, one more thing. question. Yeah, I, I love the Columbo. <laughs> Go ahead. This is the expose of the White Album, ladies and gentlemen. This is the question. <laughs> no, no, just no, one more no, thing. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're the son of George Martin. Really? You might hear things that your father says on the tapes as a son 
that might say, oh my God, <laughs> he's talking to the Beatles the way he talks to me as a father. <laughs> I want to know, did you come across anything like that? And did you like stop and say, oh my God? In the same voice. <laughs> In the same voice. In the same voice. No, I mean, everyone has a voice. And, and the only time I ever have been moved you know, properly moved was when he, I mean, he died. He died sadly, God, be nearly two and a half years ago now. And uh, I took two weeks off after he died and I went back into the studios and they wanted me to start thinking about what are we, what are we going to do about Sergeant Pepper then. And, um, you know, I asked for the tapes to come up and got the tapes off and I pressed play and his was the first voice I heard. Oh, wow. And, and that was just, um, when, when I was doing the love show, uh, it was kind of an emotional time because I was just basically trying to impress my dad and impress the Beatles. I didn't, never thought I'd work on any Beatles stuff. And I was with Yoko in, in, in the theatre and we sat there together and I, really, and I really cared deeply about what her and Olivia think. And they're very powerful in their emotions and what they think and they're very important to the whole Beatles setup actually. Um, and Yoko turned to me and she was listening and she goes, it's funny. I said, what, you do, you, do, you, not, do you not like something? And she goes, no, it's funny. I mean, John's just a voice now. And it was when I heard my dad in on tape that I realized what she meant. Mm. And even though his, well, I miss him every day, and it's funny, you know, my, my wife went to, my wife is a lovely woman, went to go and visit his grave, which is, you know, she goes, I went to go see your dad today. And so, um, and so that happens. But in general, um, my job is not to be what you guys and what your listeners do. My job is to be the person as the Beatles would say, to criticise and to do things and to dig in and, and, and get things, get things um, you know, judge things if you like. You know, if I thought everything was brilliant, I wouldn't be able to do my job. My job is to be my father's son to a certain degree, and they trust me with that. So when I hear my dad, he's there producing someone I love, but he is just a voice now, but you know, not in my heart. Well, we certainly appreciate yeah. what you do for us. I mean, yeah. I know we're Beatle fans are usually pains in the asses, but you're not. You guys, you, <laughs> you, you three guys aren't pains. You three guys are correct. Time out. If you ask our wives and significant others, oh god, oh god, they must hate you. Yeah, <laughs> that we, we, at all. we appreciate Beatles your time. Again. Thank you so much. <laughs> they must, they must. They probably hate me actually. <laughs> <laughs> Fab Four Free for All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All.